Hi, I'm Gail from Europod. Before enjoying your podcast, allow me to say a few words about Europe Talks Back. In the third season of Europe Talks Back, I want to uncover the topics that matter or should matter to all of us. From gender to bodies and sex, digital to migration and urban landscapes, and everything in between. Rather than focusing on macro-level policies, let's zoom in and talk to the brave activists and volunteers with lived experience, who are working directly with marginalized communities to further equity, justice, and liberation for all. This is the last episode of this season of Exploring Citizen Science. And the way I'd like to proceed in this last chapter is to go back to some of the questions I put on the table right at the beginning of this project and see what I, or we, have learned along this journey. If I was able to find at least some answers. But before that, I need to come back to the content of the previous episode, episode 8, Planet European Commission. After a few exchanges I had with people who listened to that episode, I felt I needed to add something to the chat with Colombo Warren about the history of funding of citizen science projects by the European Commission. And the thing I need to stress is that the European Commission is just one of the funders of citizen science projects out there in Europe. Surely one of the most important ones, but not the only one. This is particularly important because otherwise we could perceive citizen science to some extent as a top-down approach on how research ought to be done. And ultimately, if that message comes across, this podcast series would not stay true to a whole community of actors, institutional or not, which financially support citizen science since a long time be it local administrations, NGOs, associations, companies, and others. So, all that said, the show must go on. Or at least for one other episode. Exploring citizen science. Can research and society be reconnected? Episode 9. The show must go on. So, before we start this... I must say that it might be difficult to fully grasp this episode if you have not listened to all the previous episodes of this podcast. I mean, you can try to go on listening, of course, but I will make reference to extracts and exchanges I had with interviewees along the previous eight episodes. So up to you, really. Anyhow, the first question I asked myself at the start of this project was the following. So, in light of what I just told you, I kind of immediately ask myself, can citizen science help us restore trust in experts in our societies? Or at least, can it help us in this process? Well, that's already a hard one, I feel. So, this was a question I put there in light of my experience in other research projects and, most importantly, in light of the rising distrust in experts and expertise I see in our societies today. Most importantly, a big disclaimer is needed here. The notion of expert I adopted when formulating this question at the very beginning of the series did not take into account the broader scope of expertise, which is at the heart of the conceptualization of COESO. Allow me to make myself clear here. Before I dug into COESO, I had a quite restrictive view on what experts are and what we mean by expertise. 
I must admit it was a restrictive view that conflated experts and scientists. Meaning, an expert is someone who is legitimized as such because of a more or less standardized career trajectory. Surely, I would have not defined experts, people from different organizations, NGOs for instance, who in light of their engaged status in relation to specific issues could legitimately in fact be considered experts indeed. But in the end, a point Coeso is making, or at least a provocative question Coeso puts to the fore, is who are actually the experts? Who can produce expert knowledge? So going back to my question, can citizen science help us restore trust and experts in our societies? Well, that question does not take that change of perspective into account. So in writing the script of this episode, I had to question myself. Does this imply that the very same question actually has no meaning? Well, honestly, I think it still does. Why? Because I'm tempted to say that the majority of people around us still have that biased and very much institutionalized perspective on who experts are and what expertise means. So, all in all, I believe that formulating and answering that question still makes sense. And my answer is, I think citizen science could restore trust in experts. And again, frankly speaking, I'd be tempted to say that independently from the perspective of experts and expertise the Coeso project aims to put across, that would already be a whole lot of a result. So from what I saw and listened to, I believe that citizen science practices as analyzed through the perspective of the Coeso pilot projects have everything in it to create trust in science and experts. But can it really achieve to do so at a societal level? To answer this question, I'd like to go back to an extract from the interview with Colombo Warren in episode 8. For me, at the end, it's important that something become a bit more mainstream. Sometimes when it's mainstream, it's a bit softer, but it's there. And that's the most important, that it doesn't remain in a niche. So this notion of mainstreaming will, I guess, be underlying here and there the different sections of this episode. But to be clear enough... The point I want to make is that to have an impact at the societal level, citizen science would need to be mainstreamed at large. And notwithstanding the efforts by the European Commission and other funders, I don't think we are quite there yet. I think it is fair to say that the average citizen, lay people, would not associate anything specific with the words citizen science. Don't you remember Kelly Achenbach's comment in episode 2 about how her mother would react to her explaining her job as head of communications of a citizen science project? And my mother just sort of looked at me with a completely blank stare on her face and apparently did not understand a word that I said. But jokes aside, and honestly, I don't think that everyone necessarily would agree with the fact of mainstreaming citizen science being a need. To explain what I mean is that I found an interesting extract from my interview with Alessia Smagnotto, the coordinator of COESO, who is featured in episode one and two. So in this extract, Alessia was answering the question of how she sees the future of citizen science. How I see the future of citizen science? Uh, I cannot see the future. <laughs> I have a hope. <laughs> The hope is that in the way of the mainstreaming of citizen science or participatory research, so the way of mainstreaming these practices can help recognizing this practice as legitimate. 
but without losing a fundamental characteristic uh, kind of, uh, I don't know, borderline fashion that is uh, a safe space for experimentation for new methodologies of knowledge production connected with the society. I think that uh, this is the biggest hope we can have for citizen science. I believe there is something to what Alessia says, but I also believe that it's part of why I can only say citizen science could restore trust in experts in our societies. More importantly, and it is still related to this point of trust in experts, the point eventually is that the very definition of expert is questioned by the practices of citizen science in the field of humanities and social sciences we observed. Which leads me to the next step in the special review of the original questions I asked myself at the beginning of this podcast. More broadly, let me say that personally, I believe there is a point to discuss what science ended up being today. How close or distant it is to and from people, communities, and what are the responsibilities of scientists themselves in this process and trends. I mean, there is one image and metaphor that always comes up when discussing scientific research. The ivory tower. So, on this one. All that I and my colleagues have observed going on on the ground tells us that citizen science can transform the way scientists perceive themselves and their work. And I'm thinking of the Lisbon pilot here more precisely. We sense that the experimental practices developed in Lisbon had a positive impact on the way scientists and researchers thought of themselves. But I recognize the same enthusiasm and acceptance of the transformative power of citizen science in some of the interviews we run from remote. In other words, I believe citizen science can leave a profound mark on the work of persons from academia once they have tried it. So I guess they would definitely be leaving the ivory tower to continue to use that metaphor. Eventually, let me recall the sum of all purposes and the leading question of all. So this podcast series is going to be about citizen science, what it is, why it matters, whether, as Coeso argues, it can reconnect research and society, and if and how we, meaning our institutions, but maybe anyone, can help it grow as a practice. So, can citizen science reconnect research and society? Well, I think that the two elements discussed so far play one against the other in trying to find an answer to this overarching question. I mean, the fact that citizen science practices have a positive impact in the way they bring researchers closer to citizens and society plays in favor of that very reconciliation. But on the other hand, and this is counterintuitive compared to what I thought originally about citizen science, the fact that it is not very mainstream and that therefore it fails to influence at large the perspective of citizens vis-a-vis -vis science, well, that plays against that reconciliation in my understanding. About this, you might well recall that exchange with Colum Warren in episode 8 again. No, no, it's just my opinion. It's not a real question, but then you can react to that maybe. I have the feeling that citizen science is much more useful for science itself and policymaking than it is today for the citizens themselves. But this is a perception that you know most people don't know what it is, actually. And I'm wondering whether this says something about how much work still needs to be done or if it's just normal disease like this. 
No, I would say it's a bit more complex than that. So in one of these projects led by the University College of London at that time called DITOS, Do It Together with Science, in this project, there was a bus that was going into whole Europe with two captains, okay, most of the time, a man and a woman. And in this bus, they were, for example, creating soap or they were um, working on dynamos for a bicycle and they were raising, going in very little villages and talking to children, but also, I mean, to adults in the city and saying, okay, do you want to come here and to have a workshop on science? And it was a bit like building citizen science in action, but where all the children or, I mean, even the adults aware that this is part of citizen science? Maybe not, but that's not the problem. You see what I mean? Well... I disagree with this point. I still believe that this is a problem somehow. And honestly, the more I thought about it, the more it made me also question my role. I mean, not me specifically, but journalists and journalism as an institution of our societies. Meaning, I don't see so much coverage of citizen science projects, and I mean citizen science as a subject of journalism. But I strongly believe that citizen science could be actually at the heart of much of nowadays journalism. Indeed. I am thinking here about all the focus on solution journalism lately. Citizen science, and this again is very much my own opinion, is focusing a lot on solving specific societal issues. Most of all, if we talk about projects in the specific field and sector of humanities and the social sciences, which the COISA project is all about. More concretely, I believe that citizen science projects could become an integral part of journalistic practice in the way a new strand of journalism, that is solution journalism, is not only interested in exposing a societal issue, the bad news, but also sketching potential solutions to a given problem, the good news of tomorrow, so to speak. So I believe there is space for a lot of synergies between citizen science and solution journalism. And this is definitely a personal takeaway from this experience, which also make me and I hope others think about future potential pathways to be explored as journalists. Eventually, if we listen again to that very sum of questions I already played out earlier and focus on the very end of that extract. So this podcast series is going to be about citizen science, what it is, why it matters, whether, as Koizo argues, it can reconnect research and society, and if and how we, meaning our institutions, but maybe anyone, can help it grow as a practice. So yeah, in the end the question was also what can anyone do to help it grow as a practice, meaning citizen science? Well, I can obviously only answer for my part. To me, the most logical thing appears to be to keep this podcast feed as a potential open harbor to discuss matters related to citizen science. So you might wonder again what I mean by that concretely. Well, of course, me, Alex, I work for a podcast production agency, Bull Media, the focus of which is not citizen science. Frankly speaking, this has only been one of the projects we have worked on over the past year. But we thought that maybe we could keep ourselves available for the community of citizen science in Europe to get in touch and discuss the conditions for the potential production of new episodes about citizen science. These episodes could be published on the very same podcast feed of this series under the Exploring Citizen Science umbrella title, therefore benefiting from an established audience and visibility. So please, if you'd like to get in touch with us and discuss this further, 
drop an email at alexander.ricci at bullmedia.eu. That's alexander.ricci at bullemedia.eu. I'll leave the address also in the show notes anyhow. And so, I believe that's really it. This is the end of Exploring Citizen Science Season 1. In this podcast, we have explored citizen science in the field of humanities and social sciences. We have tried to do this through the lenses of the people working at the COESO Research Project, Can Research and Society Be Reconnected? COESO has received funding from the EU Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program, which ran from 2014 to 2020, SWAFs 27-2020, Hands-on Citizen Science and Frugal Innovation. Although I am the voice of this series, this podcast project has been a collective work and effort. So I could not end this series without praising the work of who has been behind the scenes of exploring citizen science. Let me start by crediting the Bull Media Europod team. So, Jeremy Bocquet, who has been our sound designer and editor all along the nine episodes and went on the ground to Lisbon for episodes four and five. Thomas Kusberg, who has composed the main theme of the series. Paolo Grasso and the Watermelon Collective for the great artwork of this podcast series. Claudio Torrisi, who has been working on the ground in Lisbon for episode 4 and 5 and is behind many of the interviews from remote, most notably featured in episode 6. Eva Perl, who did desk research at the very beginning of the project. But then, a very special thanks goes to Alessia Magnotto, project coordinator of COESO, who has been more than an interviewee for this project, of course. If it was possible to experiment with the new innovative format in the field of communications of science, in the context of COESO, so narrative podcasting, that's first of all her merit. Kelly Achenbach, the head of communications of COESO and who, just as Alessia, has been closely following the production of the episodes of Exploring Citizen Science. Last but not least, I'd like to thank all the interviewees from the COESO pilot projects, activists, researchers, engaged stakeholders more generally, as well as the people who took part in those pilot projects. My name is Alexander Damiano Ricci, and I'm the scriptwriter and host of the series. And before I forget, thanks also to my beloved AI voice. Thank you, and stay tuned. See ya. Want to hear more podcasts that get to the bottom of things that stand out in the ambient noise? Join Europod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Discover our brand new website at www.europod.eu and join us in our fight. Europod. Clear the noise, start to listen.